Welcome to day 20 of National Podcast Post Month here on The Spotlight. I'm your host, Ben Beck. I'm bringing you another stacked episode. This time, not two people who were on the same show, but two people who were on the same network who we happen to have on the program on the same night. Uh, Two guys, they were both coming to us uh, via Fox to promote two different shows. Uh, The first being Thomas Decker, who was promoting the show Backstrom. Uh, and then the other being Nate Torrance, who was promoting the show Weird Loners. Uh, Nate and um, and Thomas are two guys, I guarantee you know, they're fantastic character actors. If you've seen their faces before, if you Google them, you've seen their faces before, you've seen them in a ton of other things, especially Nate. Nate has been in so many other projects from Get Smart to Supernatural to Royal Pains and the Millers and uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's been in a, a ton of stuff, uh, and Thomas as well. So I hope you guys enjoyed this double episode, two interviews back-to-back, conversations back-to-back, so make sure you don't miss out. Here they are, Thomas Decker and Nate Torrance. All right, our first guest this week is someone who has been in the entertainment business for quite a long time, from TV and film to voiceover. His work spans all genres, and now he can currently be seen every Thursday night alongside Rain Wilson on Fox's Backstrom, currently in its first season. Please welcome to the podcast, Thomas Decker. Tom, how you doing tonight? Hello, sir. How are you? Uh, we're, we are doing well. Where are, you, uh, where are you calling us from tonight? I am in uh, boiling hot uh, Hollywood at the moment, <laughs> in, my, in my apartment. Yeah. What's the weather like? What do you guys got going out there right now? Oh man, we had a heat wave last week, and of course, with the week, my air conditioning went down. So it's been a little, been a little brutal. I know I can't complain because it's still freezing on most of the uh, Upper East Coast, but it is, yeah, it's, it's real hot here. Yeah, we, we've been getting a mix of the uh, the nicer weather. We've been we've been getting teased with some of the warmer temperatures, but we're still not the springtime yet that we want. That's good. I hear it's getting a little better in New York too, from my friends out there. Yeah, I heard a little better. It, it, like I said, it's just a tease from Mother Nature. We're uh. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Well, we we definitely we've got more much more than a tease. We we this feels like a demand <laughs> from our mother nature over here. Well, you guys are practically all year round nice weather. Yeah, so. which actually I find a little boring after a while. Um, at least even in Vegas, believe it or not, where I'm from, we get a cold winter. But in LA, it's just like constant, constant heat. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, getting started on Backstrom. Backstrom was a show, I-, I was really anticipating seeing this show when I first started seeing previews for it. Um, I've been a fan of Rain Wilson's for a while, so of course that was a draw for me, uh, to come into the show. Uh, but I've been watching since the first episode. Uh, I've become a fan of the entire cast, uh, you know, not just Rain Wilson, but yourself, Dennis Haysburg, Sarah Chalk. Um, for listeners who haven't had a chance to check out Backstrom yet, well, tell us a little bit about the show and your character, Greg. Well, Bactrum is about a very curmudgeonly, nasty, uh, pretty racist, uh, misanthropic, <laughs> alcoholic detective played by Rain Wilson, who is a nightmare to deal with, but is sort of the most brilliant detective in the bureau in uh, in Portland, Oregon. And so every time they kind of want to get off a case, he ends up sort of solving it, and so they have to put up with his bullshit. Yeah. Um, and um, as for me, I'm sort of the only character... Uh, that technically is not in the police universe. However, uh, I used to be a prostitute and a drug dealer, and I'm now a professional thief. 
So I have sort of all these underworld connections uh, that Backstrom uses to solve the case. Basically, I get him information that would be impossible to to obtain legally or uh, from any other route. And I'm also his roommate, and um, I'm sort of, a, you know, Val- Valentine, as I call him, Gregory Valentine, is the openly gay punk rocker. Um, and it's sort of a really interesting dynamic to see in Backstrom and Valentine's characters because I, I, I can't think of a pairing that I've really seen on mainstream TV quite like us. It's, it's sort of, you, it, we seem like polar opposites, but at the same time, we really only trust each other, and we're both uh, pretty hateful for the human race. So I, it, although it sounds bizarre on paper, when you watch the show, I, I think it's, it's kind of one of the most endearing things about it is our weird little... Uh, friendship. I yeah, guess, yeah. It, it, it's almost it's it's almost like a dark brotherhood. I would kind of call it. Um, yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of speculation. I, I will say this, and I think it's in next week. Uh, I believe is the episode where we really get into our past and how we met and why he kind of puts up with my petty crimes and why I put up with his bad attitude. So mm-hmm. that's going to be a really exciting episode for. For people that like who the dig are, because it is a little mysterious, like how these two uh, came together. But I think it's one of the I think it's one of the really fun things about the show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'll you'll be at the beginning of an episode, uh, constantly at each other's throats and and insulting each other, and and by the end of that episode, you're sitting on the couch together having a beer, and it's just yeah, you know, yeah, or or flying his kite. Yeah, uh, that, was, that was a fun episode. That was such a great episode too. I was such a fan of that episode. At the same yeah, I really time, like that one I, you know, I got to tell you, man, the the show is that as we shot it, uh, and some of the episodes have been airing out of, out of order, but as we shot it, the, the the my character and the relationship between us grew and grew and grew and grew, and I'm not saying that it's because of that, but I think the show got better and better and better as we went because it's been a hard show to explain to people because one minute it's really funny and then the next it's really serious. You know, we've we've sort of alternated between these two very different moods, and I, I like that about the show because I think it's unique, but I think it's it's taken people a bit of a, a minute to sort of grasp the tone of it, but as we go along, you'll see it, it really gets, we really find our feet as we go. Yeah, I mean, you had mentioned the show being pretty serious, and but having some funny moments as well. I'd have to imagine that working with someone like Rain on set, it, it's got to keep it loose between the takes. Yeah, well, working with Rain has been honestly one of my favorite uh experiences with another actor ever because as you've noticed you know it, it slowly as the season goes i get a little bit here and there with the other characters but predominantly rain and i would joke that like okay we were doing two tv shows he was doing one show in the cop world and then there was the valentine and backstrom show <laughs> and uh and we yeah and we, we we have a really um we're we're horribly mean to each other all day in the most loving comedic uh way we both have a really bitter sense of humor, and I think, you know, the character I play is very, very different from me personally, but the thing that is the most realistic is just the way that they treat each other, because it's basically how Rain and I treat each other on the set. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a really, that was a really special seven months to spend just so working so closely with him, and he, he's an actor that cares so much about every little detail, and obviously he's also produced from the show, but he also, we were given complete freedom for improv, particularly in our storyline, so I'd say like a lot of the dialogue and moments that happen with us specifically, we just would come up with on the fly, and I was amazed that they were sort of the the moments and choices that everyone chose to keep 
in the episode because usually in TV you get if you improv that's not what they use. Yeah, you know, <laughs> very controlling <laughs> about it. But yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And it's, I mean, you mentioned how much you like uh, working with Rain, of course. Uh, your professional experience really uh, runs the gamut from the lighter type of roles, um, not necessarily all the time, but there's some light moments to Backstrom. Uh, you did a little bit more of the serious stuff as John Connor himself in uh, yeah. the Sarah Connor Chronicles as well. And you've even done voice work uh, with some Land Before Time stuff in American Tale <laughs> series. <laughs> lots, <laughs> of that, lots of that shit. <laughs> yeah. you, have, you have a type of work that you might enjoy the most. You know, man, I, I, to be honest, I, it's always just about, um, you know, it's really about how interesting is the role and is there something that I can do with it that is, like, hopefully totally unlike anything else I've done. That's kind of what I'm always looking to do. I, I've never wanted to be an actor who is sort of known for a brand of character or a brand of type of movie or show or, you know, I kind of really like jumping totally from one thing to the next in a very different way. Um, but it, it's been interesting because pretty much all I did for the most part growing up, because I started acting at page five, you know, was comedy. It was like Seinfeld and, you know, kids shows and all this kind of stuff. And then when I hit like 18 and I got Terminator, it was like suddenly like I think everybody just decided I was like morbidly depressed <laughs> and couldn't be funny. <laughs> so it's been really nice to get to do a little comedy again. It's been, I mean, obviously I, I, I still love doing the kind of dark, heavy stuff, which, again, I get to do in this show as well. But it's, uh, it's been really nice to, to, to do something a little lighter again. But, no, I, I mean, I, I love doing movies. I love doing TV shows. It really just depends on, you know, how cool the people are that are making it. And I, I've done some movies and shows that I'm not particularly proud of um, that were sort of gigs I had to take for money and that kind of situation. But on the, on overall, you know, I've, I've tried to kind of stick with just working with people that I, that I like. That's kind of the, it's kind of the best, best part of it yeah. for me. Yeah, that's awesome. And you did it, you did allude a little bit to the, uh, the child acting stuff as well. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that as far as what you learned, um, as be from being a child actor, some experiences, I guess, both good and bad, but share, free, free to share, whatever. <laughs> and how yeah, you I mean, yeah, you, you, it, 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 uh, you grow up a lot faster, I think. Um, and you, you kind of have to. And you're, when you're immersed in a set all the time, like I had to, I was only in actual, you know, going to school. <clears throat> until about third or fourth grade, and then it had to become set schooling all the time. So you're really not with other kids. You're kind of always with adults, and I always enjoyed that. I thought I think it was kind of educational for me, and, you know, it sounds weird. People always ask me, was it pushed into it, or because how can you make a decision to do that when you're five years old? But I didn't have the pushy kind of stage parents. My parents were in music and art and didn't really have any kind of connection to uh, acting or the industry in LA and so it, it happened through me just being a little kid that could sing and that sort of just accidentally led to oh okay well there's this commercial where they need a kid to sing that sounds fun and I did a movie for John Carpenter when I was six called Village of the Damned with uh, like the most 90s cast imaginable like Christopher Reeve and Kirstie Alley and like <laughs> so fucking funny but, um, but I remember like that experience was like the first time that I knew how much fun it was to do this. And, uh, but then I, when I was 16 or 17, I sort of had a crisis of faith and didn't want to do it anymore. And I just had a job application in at a record store here in LA that I liked. And I figured I was just going to like try and do the normal thing for a while. And like literally like a week later I got heroes 
And so then I was like, oh, God, all right, well, I guess, I guess I'm sticking with this. And, uh, and yeah, now here I am. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned where, like, you just mentioned working in the music store, and I know you have a little bit of a music background as well. Um, in 2008, you put out uh, a title, uh, you put out an album tied, uh, uh, titled uh, Psychonautic? Psychonautic. It's, it's a weird title, yeah. <laughs> um, do, you, do you still find the time to write new music and stuff like that while you're in between acting jobs? Absolutely, yeah. But what happened with all that was I put that album, that album I've been working on, I'd had a record deal when I was about 14, uh, that I was working sort of with, sort of, they were trying to do the kind of pop thing. And so at 15, with my little kind of teenage attitude, I kind of shut the door on that and taught myself, you know, how to program and produce electronic music because I'd been raised in classical. So, like, I knew piano and violin and guitar and all that from a really young age. But I decided I wanted to do industrial and experimental, and I was into Nine Inch Nails and Bjork and Depeche Mode and all that kind of stuff. So, but that album took a long time. And then I finally put it out, and I, there's things about it I like and things about it I hate. It was sort of a, like a diary of growing up musically, I guess. But after that, I just felt weird about being known a little for being an actor and then having music that is so not actor-singer mm-hmm. <laughs> crossover music. Yeah. Like, uh, so what I did was I started um, in 09, I started this kind of art collective slash band called uh, Zero Times Zero, which is what I work under now. I don't think I'll ever put anything out again under my own name. So it's it's kind of was this great concept that I can't believe worked. I wanted to find so many of my friends were photographers or costume designers or dancers or whatever, and musicians, and so we were all kind of into the same vibe and so it's true we've we've all the album art and all the videos and and everything that we've put out has sort of been a big group effort the music element is sort of handled the most uh by me but we put out an album called equal zero last year uh that was much more like 80s since rock i guess and now we have a new one that'll be coming out in the fall called love and razor blades which is a little more uh I guess dubstep, hardcore kind of stuff. So, yeah. so no, definitely, it's definitely still going. And, you know, that's sort of my issue is on top of it that I'm also writing and directing. And so it's like, it's kind of trying to keep a lot of plates in the air, um, which sometimes that's why I think some of these things kind of don't get as much of a, a grand opening or release yeah. uh, as if, I, if, if it was just one thing I was focusing on. But I kind of, I, I get very antsy if I'm not working on something kind of all the time. I yeah. Start to get a little, yeah, just start behaving badly and wasting time. <laughs> yeah, because I, I read online with Cyanotic, you did most of, the, you did m- most of, if not all the work on that yourself, right? You did all the mixing and all the editing and everything all with that? Of it, yeah. Yeah, the only, the only other musicians was a, was a string quartet that I worked with, but all the, uh, pretty much that album, everything was programmed and and done by me, and but that's been really nice on this new venture with Zero Tone Zero to kind of be working with guitarists or, you know, because obviously there's people out there who are going to do a million things far better than if it's just me, so it's been nice to kind of be able to collaborate a little bit. It was something that I just didn't have um, when I did that first album when I was a teenager. Yeah, yeah you, uh, I mean, it sounds like you, uh, you do a bunch of, a whole bunch of different things, really. Um, your personality just came off as somebody who's always up for trying something, which is just interesting, man. So, I'm, uh. Well, it's I'm been a really nice crossover, too, that I've gotten to do some scoring and songs for movies that I've been in, too. That's been a really nice, like, I did this movie called Plush, 
for Catherine Hardwick that was like a goth rock movie. And I kind of came in for this small part because I was doing something else at the time. And it ended up that I worked on the entire soundtrack with like Arcade Fire's producer and Kate Crash and all these great people. So, and that was like, that was just a trip. That was, I did not expect to get to do something like that. Yeah, those are exactly, that's the kind of thing that I'm, that I'm talking about. What's, um, What's next on your bucket list, then? I just I find it interesting. You're always open to trying new stuff. Well, I'm really, really, really happy with this new album. Um, it's my favorite that I've worked on so far, and uh, I think that I'm really excited for that to come out. And a bunch of artist friends of mine in, like, Texas, like, have been making these music videos that I haven't even, like, really been a part of, which is great, so we're going to put those out soon. And then, aside from that, um, I'm supposed to be directing... A feature that I wrote in July, uh, 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 being co-produced um, by Nikki Reed, the actress. She's also going to be in it, and uh, I'm not allowed to really disclose who else is in it yet. But um, hopefully, we'll be shooting that in Montreal in July. And I, I have to admit uh, that, and hopefully, a second season of Backstrom are definitely my my two uh, those are my two big goals. But man, it is hard to get a movie made. Holy shit. <laughs> I was I was at an awards thing recently, and I was talking to this guy who just had his first movie at Sundance, and I was saying, oh, I'm so frustrated. We've already been working on getting this thing off the ground for a year. And he, he laughed and said that his had taken eight years. So I guess I shouldn't feel too too bad yet. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> is, is there anything in the uh, in the non-entertainment world that we can look out for for Tom Decker in the news? Is this what... The next awesome thing. Mm, that you just oh did. well, you want to be careful when you look me up in the news because you <laughs> never know what's going to pop up. <laughs> um, no, I mean, yeah, I, I still, I still love to do just sort of photography, which I would never hope to do professionally. Um, I had like some really. I'm going to try and get a new site up for that just for fun because uh, I do film photography and I, I love it, but it's definitely not something I'm good enough at to uh, pursue professionally. And um, yeah, I guess, no, I mean, that's that's definitely always been something that's frightened me ever since I was even really young. I'm like, God damn, I really hope that something works out in the arts, because otherwise I'm screwed. <laughs> I don't know what I would do. I, I, I don't know. I, I definitely, I don't think being like an ace accountant is anywhere in my future, I think. So let's hope, let's hope that this train doesn't crash in all these departments <laughs> at any time soon. Well, I mean, we we definitely have our fingers crossed, uh, you know, for a season to a Decker, and if, if it or Decker, you are Jesus, uh, for Backstrom. Uh, I got confused there for a minute. Uh, so, if there is a second season for Backstrom, you can call it Decker. I'd prefer to call it Decker, <laughs> or, or be called Valentine. There we go. Just Valentine. Valentine. Well, big joke is that we're going to get a spinoff where Valentine and Backstrom just like move to Fire Island and like. <laughs> just party the whole time and there's no murder solving it's just the two of us like having drinks on the beach it, that was his idea not mine but it, it does sound fun yeah it's like a very yeah. odd odd couple that yeah, it would be exactly <laughs> we'll got to it. and then we'll just move to some weird like miami or something i don't know yes <laughs> so if season two comes around which we hope it does uh any chance you might be directing any episodes in the second season oh man i don't know if they would if they would trust me enough in a second but if the show keeps going you know, you never know. I would, I would love to do that. I mean, that's been like a dream on, this is what, my fourth regular show gig, and that, that's always like 
Although I would, I would, I would have been too scared to ever direct an episode of Terminator because that's like a whole other, yeah, that's a whole other thing. I, yeah, I mean, and, and scenes. yeah, and not only that, but that you're messing. I mean, you're you're playing with a little bit of fire with that because there's the Terminator series is such a following that. I mean, you're not only making the director, you're not only making the producers and the writers happy, you're, you're trying to make the fans happy at the same time, and that's... Yeah, I mean, that know. was what made that so scary, even just to play John Connors, like, he's such an iconic uh, character, and I was, I can't, I mean, I remember when I got that at 18, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I couldn't, <laughs> kind of couldn't believe it. Um, yeah. But yeah, hopefully I'd love to direct it back to I just really hope that the show really gets its proper following, and, and we just get to keep doing it, because it really was... I've had, I've had, you know, I did a show a couple of years ago that, how shall I put this lightly? When it ended, I was, I wouldn't say thrilled, but I would say <laughs> I was, uh, at peace. With, at peace <laughs> with the ending. Um, and I really hope with this one that we keep going because it's such a great time. And I just want to bust rain balls some more every day. Yeah. Really <laughs> um, well, I know we're, we're running out of time with you, but I, I have two quick questions for you before we wrap things up. Um, the first off, you had mentioned, uh, you know, Terminator and the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which was another Fox show. Um, and, and another Fox show that I was a big fan of was Raising Hope with, um, with Garrett Dillahunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, I know you had worked with him on Sarah Connor Chronicles. And it's such a and diff- Garrett and Rain went to school together. How weird uh, is that? That kind of goes hand in hand with a little bit of my question because I, it's, it's a different role. I mean, he went from a complete serious role on Terminator, uh, you know, in villainous role to a complete absent-minded comical role on Raising Hope. And I'm wondering which side of him you saw more, like, on the set of Terminator. Of Garrett? Yes. Yeah. Garrett was, I was so chill and funny and sweet and nice. He definitely, I would definitely say he leaned more to the Raising Hope <laughs> side than the Terminator side. But that, you know, man, that, that show, it was so, I sort of can't believe how, the, what the vibe was on that set. Because it's like the most deathly serious, depressing show but then between Lena and I and Shirley Manson, like, it was just constant laughter. It was constant, just, like, jokes and pranks and laughing. And, you know, and I, but I definitely think that good point that you made there about Garrett going from, like, that to Raising Hope and me from Terminator to Backstrom. Fox is really loyal uh, with their actors, yeah. which is really nice. It's kind of like this, they use, even in guest starring roles, they use the same people over and over again. And so that's kind of, it's really nice to be back at that network because I get to see all these people from other gigs, you know, all the time. Which yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Garrett's awesome. You should interview him. I, oh, God, I would love to. I, I, I would love to interview him one day. We would love to. Uh, but final question before we let you go. Any chance we might see you in Heroes Reborn? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's a question. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I would... I would absolutely be fine to do that. I know when, when I left Heroes to do Terminator, and there was, like, all this speculation at the time that I'd been fired or that we had this, like, hugely unpleasant end to the show, which wasn't really true. We had some issues, um, but it was really just that I was a recurring on that, and if you get off for John Connor, I, you know, as great as Heroes was, I just kind of left at that opportunity. But if, if they'd have me back, I'd absolutely swing on by again. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, we're definitely going to send people to check out Backstrom uh, Thursdays, 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock Central, on Fox, every Thursday. I highly recommend it. Like I said, I've been a fan since the beginning. Um, we're going to send people your way on Twitter at well as well. You're at the Thomas Decker. That's right. And, of course, also follow Backstrom on Twitter, which is at Backstrom Fox. Uh, Thomas, this, yes. this has been awesome, man. Thanks for joining us tonight. 
Thank you so much, man. Great questions. Yeah. Thanks a lot, uh, All right, guys, stick around. We will be back right after this break. All right, everybody, welcome back once again to the showcast. We are joined by our second guest this week, uh, and he's yet another one that certainly knows his way around the entertainment industry, starting off from with his commercial work, moving into television and film. You've seen him on shows such as Super Fun Night, the HBO series Hello Ladies, which I was a huge fan of, <laughs> as well as movies like She's Out of My League. But starting this week, you'll be able to catch him every Tuesday night in the new Fox show Weird Loners. Please welcome... Mr. Nate Torrance. Nate, how you doing? I will take that. That was a nice lead (laughs) We try our best, my friend. That was awesome. That was my whole resume. I got to send that to my mom. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll cut it out for you so you can just send that away. Exactly. I'll give my ringtone. Send you the MP3. I can't imagine somebody making that their ringtone. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Adam and I have both been able, we've been lucky enough to, uh, to have caught the first few episodes of the show, but for everybody else who's listening who hasn't had that luxury just yet and has to wait until the premiere, tell yeah. us tell us what to expect from Weird Loners when it premieres and a little bit about your character, Eric. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so kind of what we're focusing on is it's four, four people that are kind of in their 30s, uh, totally relationship-challenged for one reason or another. And um, as fate has it, they all end up living in the same building and, and kind of start hitting it off, not even as friends, just as, like, relationships in each other's lives and realizing that, wow, we all suck at, <laughs> at, at making friends or, <laughs> or being in any relationship whatsoever, whatever that may look like, for different reasons. And so, uh, so yeah, that becomes, like, the basis of our, of our, uh, of our friendship. So, yeah, I mean, and, and the, the, the title, of the, the word weird in the title definitely is appropriate. To... Yeah, no, well, that's what's kind of cool, and and also trying to be like as relatable as possible. It's like, yes, we're weird, but I think the the whole point of the show is to realize that we're all kind of weird. We all have like these moments of why we would feel lonely or why you know, yeah, this girl that guy doesn't <laughs> like us or something like that. And I think that's what we're kind of trying to dive into is that we're all a little weird, no matter how we look. And then my character is, I think, the weirdest of them all. Though that's kind of <laughs> kind of awesome. My his name's Eric, and he's a He's, he's a, he works the night shift as a, as a toll booth collector on the Triborough Bridge, which is which is an awesome job for a lonely man. <laughs> even us, even those of us in relationships are weird. I mean, my wife tells me all the time that if people could see how I am in the house, outside of the house, that they would think I'm like a huge. No, leader. that's exactly it. What do they say? As long as as long as you're over forty nine percent of the time not completely angry at that person, it's a healthy relationship, right? <laughs> that's the goal, man. That's one way to look yeah, at it. 50. <laughs> like you said, Eric, your character is definitely uh, on the, the more uh, of the weird of the four. He's definitely a bit aloof. He's, he's the oddest one, uh, I would say, of the four main characters. He's also the one, though, I think, in, in just watching the first few episodes, it has the most physical comedy aspect, whether it be uh, like oh. sock puppets or something. You know, of that it's nature. awesome. I was so <laughs> excited. You know, because you don't really know that stuff or, or where they're going to take their character right off the bat. Like, we, you know, we, you do the pilot. We were lucky enough to know that we were going to do six episodes no matter what. They had given us a commitment um, to do it, but, but you never know what they're, where the scripts are going to And I was so excited, man, that they started doing like crazy. I get tasered. I get oh. fights. I fall into trash cans. It was awesome. I did all my own stunts too. That's great. great. I'm very proud of that. Do you find that physical comedy more challenging or do you enjoy it more than like the scripted side of comedic acting? Yeah, you know, I, I love it. I think what's kind of cool and, and, and 
hard right now in comedy is because comedy's gotten so real, you know? I mean, I don't think there's any true, like, or uh, at least single-camera comedy. It's like you're almost half drama, half comedy. Everything's not big and broad and wacky. And so to do physical comedy means it has to be that much more real. Um, you right. know, you're not, like, buying it or slapsticky. And so that's when I get really excited because half the time it just comes down to me saying, I can do that. I will totally do that. I'll give you three <laughs> takes and I won't walk tomorrow, but I'll do it. <laughs> so I was really excited about it. And I have like this weird background. This is kind of humiliating to admit, but I was, when I was like, 13, I was a trampoline gymnast. <laughs> so, I literally won nationals in my age group. I, it's, it's horrible, but it's true. You didn't, so, go, uh, you didn't push for the Olympics or anything like I that? Know that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? I, that's how I got my SAG card. I got my I, I got started in, in this business all because I could do a one and a half flip on a trampoline. <laughs> and I was like this big old husky boy pull, pulling it. And they're like, yeah, you totally can do it. Here's your SAG card. <laughs> um. Speaking of being speaking of being that age and younger, are the pictures that they use in the beginning of the show your actual pictures? That is, it totally is. <laughs> and this is what's so weird is like I am getting hit up by all my grade school friends. It's so <laughs> funny, like they're hearing about it because you know, like you're going through all of these pictures and they're finding out, you know, like what elementary school you go in. And I'm totally from small town in Ohio. And, uh, you know, they're making phone calls to these, like, principals or schools, and that literally got out. And everyone was like, oh, are we going to be on television? Which they're not. But, um, but, yeah, they're all hitting me up, all of my third grade class. <laughs> like, to be my best friend. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the show itself has a great cast. Uh, and you guys all seem to meld really well together. And, the, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything for everybody who hasn't had a chance to see it yet, but I will just say that the, there's one scene in the pilot that just involves lip-syncing, and that just <laughs> that totally had me laughing I, out loud. I, it wasn't that a great idea. That kind of came late, too. Like, it was a rewrite, and it was such a smart and funny idea to get us, like, just to, as friends. You know, because it, it, there's two hurdles you face as an actor. It's one to get have chemistry on screen but hopefully too to be friends with them off camera and, yeah and we were we were really lucky there's no egos that's that's what's kind of cool i think all of us have worked long enough in this business and like we always kind of make the joke that we've all played the best friend of somebody on different shows mm -hmm. and now we're all on a show kind of having our own show together and uh and that that, that kind of made it an even playing field where we all just wanted to succeed and so we're all kind of like got each other's backs and uh yeah, it was a, it's a great cast that we really we really do. We kind of hang out um off camera too and that's that's rare, you know. Yeah. Uh you mentioned some of the shows, you know, like you said being the best friend and things like that. You you actually happen to be on two shows that I was a really big fan of, but were un awesome. uh but they were unfortunately cut short before their time in my opinion. Uh Mr. Sunshine and Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. That's awesome, man. I um, love it. I love that you like those. I I I get so sad when shows don't make it. I don't know that I can make it in uh, this business because I get so attached to these stupid characters. Roman and Wade, oh, heartbreaking. But Wade, yeah, both of them were, were so quiet, so it's always fun to, to meet people that, that like those and like the characters. But, yeah, Hello Ladies is still a little fresh. Yeah. Um, I'm so thankful they let us do a movie, um, you know, to wrap up the characters and give them kind of closure, but... But man, I had I had an awesome time on that show too. Yeah, that was a that was a good show, and that was something I was going to oh, ask. So how could did you make it through? Could you like literally make it through an episode without pausing it? 
It's so, it can get so awkward. Oh, yeah, it's it's definitely awkward. But, I mean, it's something I actually – I want to go back and rewatch it just because, yeah. I mean, I knew who you were when I watched it. I'm a big fan of Stephen Merchant's as well. So, yeah. like, it's such a good show. HBO puts out a good show as well, and it's just – No, it is, yeah. Our cinematography and all that, you felt the bar be raised and – and uh, yeah, but it was it was it was a cool dark comedy, and, and as far as like really getting into true loneliness, I I always say that Weird Loners I feel was a step for me into a more commercialized version version of of Hello Ladies, because it, it's not it's 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 a little bit more lighter and a little bit more funnier. Yeah, Hello Ladies <laughs> can always kind of ended with that. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, speaking of another television show, um, I grew up watching Get Smart. And, um, I got really skeptical when the idea came about, about bringing it to the big screen. Um, until I, I saw that first teaser trailer with Steve Carell locked in the phone booth. And from the, from the moment I saw that, I was like, okay, this is going to be pretty good. Um, you guys totally did that movie complete justice to the show. I'm such a fan of that movie, especially with you and Masioka, your two characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that, was, that was one of those crazy, like, you, you, you only live with, like, once kind of. I, I was in just um, utopia in, on that set the whole time. Like, where you, you know, I mean, I was pretty young still. <laughs> I, I had done Studio 60s and commercials, and I was all about, like, improv and sketch comedy at the time. And so to come in and work with with Steve and Anne Hathaway and The Rock and you're just like and then I'm like flying around in the jet doing press and you're like man this this is just nuts though it was pretty cool and we did this little spin-off movie on that too did you yeah. ever see that? yeah Harry and Lloyd yeah. little get smart thing yeah yeah so so it was a it was a pretty cool deal and and definitely that that was that was one of those I mean as an actor you know on on that side of things and career things you're just always looking for something that just kind of opens the door for you and that definitely was that for me it would have been studio 60 which was aaron sorkin's first show after west wing and then i went from there and then got get smart right after that that wrapped and and that was a a big moment for me where you know you get into larger agencies and yeah so i'm very very proud and happy and it's all good stuff yeah a good time of life were you were you added to that cast after like steve and, and anne hathaway and all them or did you see them hop on as you were already attached no, you know, it's so funny. That was one of the most crazy audition process I've ever went through because it was a multi-picture deal because they wanted to do two DVDs and then three um, films. So it was a five-picture deal for my, me and Mossy's character. So I ended up going in. I think I read for that thing like maybe 15, 16 times. Like they wow. kept adding – like they were looking I, – I was lucky enough to be cast, and then they just kept trying to find my partner. So I read with, like, Rachel Trash. I read with the Farley brothers, Chris's brothers, John. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, it was so cool. So all these people I actually read with. Then women, I was reading with Jama Mace. I read with, you ready for this? I read with Kevin Wiseman, who played Kivas on Hello Lady. Really? For that role. Yeah, we <laughs> talked about it. He was like, oh, oh damn it. We're working together now, but that really sucks. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, there's there's such an incredible there's such an incredible cast in that movie. You had to be, I mean, yeah, like you I mean, said, you were young. Were, they, yeah, and they also they were all totally attached prior to that. I know that it went through like five. There was like five. Like Jim Carrey was supposed to do it. All these people, and then uh, yeah, they settled on Steve. And then that was just right when he got and Anne Hathaway. I feel like both of them just exploded right after that. Like they were obviously 
a list, but then went to this whole other level. Yeah. Um, so it was pretty cool to, to be with them in that moment. And they're, they're both amazing people. Like, so, so nice, especially, you know, they, they honestly didn't have to hang out or talk to, to me. (laughs) (laughs) Which was always cool. Alan Arkin's in it. I mean, it was nuts. Are there still any rumors to a possible sequel? Cause I heard that a while back. So long ago. I actually, Pete Siegel directed it and I had heard, I know there's a script. I actually had someone come up to me and talk to me about it, and they're like, "Your part's really funny in it." But this was years ago, yeah. so so I I think it did. I think that the cast just got so so large in their and their um, schedule specifically. And then I know that Steve, you know, he opened up his own production company at Warner Brothers, and so that was a big a big thing. That I think he wanted to go more indie too. Like you could see that in some of his choices. Like yeah. Foxcatcher now. Like I think, uh, and every yeah. comedian has that in it in them, you know. They want to be funny, and then they also want to try to, you know, break that pigeonhole. I guess. Yeah. Well, another I know another comedy um, that you were in after Get Smart that I think is a highly underrated comedy. I think it's just hilarious. Is she's out of my league? Ben, I mentioned in the intro. I mean, that, that has got the greatest cult following <laughs> in the world, and you know it's just like starting up again because I think MTV's playing it. Like it was on E for a while. Now it's MTV, and. It's so funny to get, like, all these, like, young 20-year-olds now are really into that movie. And so, like, as far as getting, like, recognized and stuff, there's this whole new uh, new uh, audience for it. I love that movie. Those are all crazy people, too, like, that all, like, ended up getting their own TV shows. And, yeah. you know, we were all pretty new. I mean, Jay had a resume, obviously. But, like, me, TJ, Vogel, everyone's got their own shows now. It's kind of cool. Yeah, Alice was in uh, the new Star Yeah, Trek. I mean, she, yeah, she went Star Trek and... What else was she? She was in uh, Men in Black Three or something too. Yeah, she's been in a few different yeah, yeah, things. Yeah, she pops. Up, she was popping up here and there. Um, yeah, yeah. But, oh, that's um, right. She was in Men in Black Three. I had to think about yeah, that for a minute. Played, yeah, yeah. I, I remember that she was in talks with it or something on, when we did our press tour. That they were already talking about it. Like it was like a big push. Yeah. But um, yeah. But you had uh, you had mentioned earlier. You said you're from a small town in Ohio. You're from Canton, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm. I'm outside of Canton, which okay. Canton's like a suburb of Cleveland. So I, I was right. born there and stayed there, yeah. But then my parents, like, <laughs> when they retired, I'm the youngest of four, and they opened a bed and breakfast in, like, Amish country. <laughs> 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 so, like, I went to high school in, like, rural farm. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> but it's fun to go home just, now. <laughs> so I, I have say, all these towns in, in Ohio that claim me. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, because Canton... You know, it's famous for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Football so Hall of Fame, baby. Yeah. You know it. Were you, were you a big football Boston fan Stadium. growing up? Or, or I, you you know, like... I kind of was, yeah. I played football, and, and I mean, it's a football It's a football state. I mean, I know I the imagine, Browns aren't, yeah. aren't, aren't, aren't the greatest, but we got the Buckeyes, and, and they're always tough. And, and, yeah, but we have a couple. There's, like, documentaries made on Maslin football, which is one of our uh, – that's, that's really close to where I live. Which is real intense high school football. Like it's it's a pretty. If you ever see the the documentary Go Tigers, that is that is near where I grew up. And it's like they hold their kids back so they'll be bigger linemen when they when they're seniors. They 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 sell they sell coffins that have the Maslin Tiger logo. It's nuts out. It's nuts out. Welcome to Ohio. That's like true. That's like true. Like Friday Night Lights kind of. It's kind of football. Alias. That's yeah. exactly it. It's, it's total Friday Night Lights. Yeah. yeah, you expect that in Texas, but, uh, I mean, uh, Ohio. Who would have known? Who would have known these factory workers got it? <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that, that I had seen, and uh, 
I wasn't sure if this was true because I haven't seen this show in, in such a long time. Were you really on the game show Street Smarts at one point? I was. I won three grand. Wow. Is that, is that <laughs> I did that in Hollywood Squares. I was on Hollywood Squares, too, and I epically failed. I literally <laughs> forgot how to play six myself. I got the questions right, but I, I, I lost the game. <laughs> like, I got beat twice. Like, like, a girl got three O's across the top and three O's down the middle. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> I made I made a uh, I made a short film out of it, and would, when I went on tour with my live show, I, I would play it, and it was all the meatloaf objects in the rearview mirror. It was a short film of me failing on Hollywood Square. It was awesome. Uh, was that before you got into acting too? Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I, I started off. Yeah, I, I left. I I was in Ohio, was going to Kent State. And then I saw a show in Chicago. I went and saw um, a Second City show. And uh, Tina Fey was main stage, Rachel Dratch. It was everyone from 30 Rock, basically, were in this little theater. And I freaked out. I'd never seen improv or anything. And so I finished that semester and moved to Chicago and then studied there. And then uh, then from there moved to L.A. and kept doing it out here and then started touring with, like, a one-man, like, sketch show, comedy, like, stand-up show. And then did that until – basically until um, – Studio 60. And then after that, you know, I, I, try to, I try to always perform live like once a year. Me and my brother kind of do a show. He's, he's an actor in Chicago. And so um, we'll, we'll kind of combine and do a hometown show and kind of get our old fans and do like one venue and, and, and book it out and, and do something crazy. Usually like New Year's Eve, we do it. That's awesome. Uh, you, should come, you should come to Philly. You, there, we, hey, there we go, man. Philly ain't far at all. No. Yeah. We did all of She's Out of My League in Pittsburgh. I mean, I know that's a, that's a ways away, but. Uh, it's the same yeah. state. Yeah, same so. state. It counts. There you go, man. <laughs> you got to take it. It's like us in Cincinnati. Another thing, I, uh, another thing I saw on your resume and I was curious about uh, was a short that you had pretty much done everything for, directed, <laughs> and, and even uh, titled yourself. <laughs> where can I watch? Where can I go watch We Think Nate Torrance is Dead? I have been trying to sell that so bad. To, like, I wanted to get it on Crackle because see, the whole thing is this is what happened. I ha- I I I'm in Colorado. I'm waiting to hear when was that would have been it was um I was waiting to hear about Hello Ladies. We we're we we're about to film it and I, I had, you know, you have these contracts where you can't do anything. Right. And so um my brother in law had this had this hunting cabin and I was like, I I just wanna write something and just go do it. And so I was kinda of just doing it like as a creative, we'll see what happens. And so I shot the whole thing on my phone, it's just me. It, like acting like I'm I'm documenting myself for like a, a vlog, and I, I end up dying in the midst of it. And someone <laughs> finds my phone. It's a total sound footage, you know, whatever that that is. But but it was kind of a cool twist. And I ended up winning the the L.A. Indie Fest for best comedy short and got it in a couple places. But it's horrible. Like it's all literally filmed on an iPhone four. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but uh, but it's pretty funny. And it's 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 not like it's not like uh like it's a legit. Uh, as far as how I die, there's no like supernatural anything. I, I don't want to give anything away because it's got a pretty funny ending. <laughs> yeah, but, definitely. Yeah. I, but it ends, it, it ends with me coming out of a, coming out of a grave and doing a giant dance in the snow <laughs> in my underwear. It literally does. That's how it ends. It's awesome. <laughs> The weird part is, after seeing some of the roles you've done before, I can honestly picture that entire thing. <laughs> That's the best part of it. I know, I fair. I've seen that. I know that. <laughs> That's the best part about it, though. That's how weird loaders is, too. There it is. That's what we're pushing. Here's finale. That's what we're 
I'm really pushing that. Uh, yeah, well, we're definitely going to push people to check out Weird Loners, as I said yeah, before. Yeah, uh, Premieres this Tuesday night, uh, March 31st, 9.30, 8.30 Central on Fox, and to every Tuesday afterwards. Uh, like you said, you got a six-episode stint right now, but, you know, we're going to keep our fingers crossed. You guys are going to get picked up for a season there two. Is, man. We're, we're pretty hopeful. So, really good stuff. Uh, but Nate, this has been awesome, man. Thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me, buddy. So, all right, everybody, stick around. We will be back in a few minutes. <laughs>